This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. What's going on, everyone? Jeff Woods here with the One Thing team. In the last episode, you got to hear me chat with some of the members of the One Thing team while we talked about overcoming the myth of willpower. So if you missed that episode, please go back and listen to it. And I'm really interested in your feedback, guys. I'm really curious if you enjoy getting to meet some of the other personalities behind the one thing, the people who are researching the content, who are writing the actual blog posts and the content upgrades. If you like that type of content and getting to meet those people as well, please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the one thing book. That's all spelled out. the, The number one is all spelled out. So the one thing book, facebook.com slash the one thing book, and go ahead and leave a post there. Let us know your feedback on that type of an episode so we can know if we should be doing more of that moving forward. So if you missed that episode, please go back and check it out. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. And in this episode, so excited today to introduce you to a friend of mine who you are absolutely going to love. He's had quite an interesting career with where he has been um, involved with an organization that I'm sure you've heard of. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But now he has moved forward and started his own venture called Refound, where he is the CEO. He's also the author of a great book that I have personally read called The Good Authority. Today, we're going to talk about something that's tremendously important to every single one of you, whether you are focusing on thriving in your professional world or if you are focusing in that personal world, there's one thing that is absolutely essential to building amazing relationships, and that is effective communication. The challenge is oftentimes we don't communicate effectively. What I mean by that is you may have the best of intentions, but it is not necessarily received the same way. And You may say something to a person, but they may not hear it correctly, and sometimes they don't do it. That's where the whole idea of accountability comes in, which when I speak with you on the phone, I often hear that accountability is one of those big pieces that is missing. And when I think of accountability, the first person I think of is Jonathan Raymond. So with that, brother, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. It's great to be on. I have to, before we go anywhere else, I have to give my... uh, my thanks for the book for one thing itself because that was that was my one thing was actually writing my book when I launched this new business and I know we'll kind of rewind the tape a little bit and talk about some things I've where I've been but when I thought about okay what's the single most valuable thing that I can do to get this new business off the ground and of course lots of people have books but I thought you know I've got to write a book I have to distill down the way that I work with people how I think about accountability and communication and culture how do I you know to be able to do that in a in a format of a book 
Um, and I and I probably wouldn't, I would probably still be working on it uh, were it not for the one thing. So thanks to you and your team. Uh, well, I, I can't take the credit for the book. So that goes to Gary and Jay and the team behind them, but uh, I will definitely pass it along. Uh, tell people, you know, where where your initial authority came when it came to culture building and team building. Yeah, so I started, um, I, my background is really in business development. And I had worked in mobile technology. I had worked in e-commerce. I worked in the renewable energy business for five, six years. And this is all after having graduated law school and realizing that I that I didn't want to work in a big law firm. And maybe there's some folks who can relate with that. But, um, but uh, what I, where I ended up was a company called Emeth, uh, which for a lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with the Emeth Revisited book. Uh, I was running the coaching company behind that book. And so obviously enough, you know, this book had been very, very popular in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. It's, you know, you can get it on Amazon for 12 cents. It's a, it's a great read. And, uh, you know, there, you know, there's, a, there's millions of copies of that book. And, you know, there's some ideas in there that I take issue with. I, there's a reason why I left and I wanted to do something different, but there's some really solid concepts in there, really important ideas that, that any entrepreneur should be familiar with. And, uh, I was in this position of being a CEO of a global brand. Uh, we were at the time looking to modernize that brand and and do something different things than the company had done over the previous few decades. And I found myself both being a CEO, so the lead manager inside this corporation, you know, overseeing the business model, overseeing our sales and marketing, uh, different parts of the business I was closer to than others. And then, of course, I had a management team, I had both a leadership team and a management team, uh, men and women, different ages, different backgrounds, different experiences. And a big part of our a culture, a big part of our philosophy was to have one-on-one meetings with the people that report to you. And it was really in uh, that discovery, we can talk a bit about where I realized, you know what, there's our industry is missing something. There's something missing from this conversation. And it's really important. And it goes right to the heart of what is accountability? How do you do it at work? And how does it apply to your personal life? And that's so that was where my background was. And, and the reason why I left was because Emeth is a very, uh, very general uh, brand. It's about business in general, focuses on all different parts of the business. And I was really passionate about the culture part of it and the people management side of it. And how do you, and I realized that I had a lot of room to grow. And, and as I started to make those changes, I started thinking to myself, you know, we talk a lot about leadership, but management is where it's at. Management is so sexy. When you find a really good manager, someone who really knows how to bring a team of people together, it's an unbelievable thing professionally and personally. And so that's where, that's where I landed and what ReFound is all about. Well, you know, since you and I first got connected and this was before I had accepted the position with the one thing accountability was something I really really struggled with um I've always had a high level of personal accountability for my goals but when it came to working with other people and holding other people accountable I really struggled and you gave me some great guidance there now that I've worked with Gary and Jay for the last year I've gotten to experience Gary's systems for accountability and how we operate inside of Keller Williams. But I'm, I'd really love to dive into both accountability when you manage other people and also how does someone hold themselves accountable? Because we've interacted with, um, we have a masterclass called Time Blocking Mastery. At the time of this recording, we've had over 800 people going through it. And one of the top challenges they have is that level of accountability to stick with the habit that they're trying to form. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that we, and I'm sure you and I talked about this when we spoke a while ago, the first thing that we have to do, in my opinion, is we have to reevaluate what we mean by accountability. And so when, you know, if you, for listeners, if you think about, when you think about the word accountability, 
we very quickly associate it with punishment or punitivity or make I made a mistake or I screwed something up and now I have to be held accountable or I have to hold myself accountable. It has a very um, austere kind of feel to it. It's very, it sounds very, it's very severe. That's how we, are. we generally relate with it emotionally and cognitively. And one of the first things that I try to pivot people to is, you know, think about other areas of your life. If you think about a personal trainer or someone who's going to help you with your diet or someone who's going to help you with some element, you know, some element of your life, what you want from that person, you want accountability, but you want it with kindness, right? You want them to, they, even if they're really tough, right? You, I've worked with trainers. So if you like people who are really tough, but they do it with a huge heart, those are the people that we say, you know what, they, they, that kicked my ass. That was awesome. But you can feel their heart in it. They're not doing accountability to punish. They're not doing accountability to make you feel bad about yourself. They're using accountability to lift you up. And that's what's been missing from the culture conversation in, in the professional world. And I believe in our personal world too, is we don't look at our friends and say, hey, what a gift to be able to hold our friends accountable. You know, I love it when people in my life, whether it's my wife or a close friend said, hey, you know, can I share, can I share with you something? Yeah, sure. You know, you, you were talking for the last couple of months about doing, you know, that you were going to get going on writing your book. And I wonder where are you with that? Right. And so there's an accountability. It's not because they want me to feel stupid or look bad. They're saying, Hey, there's something that I know that you believe in that's going to make your life better. And I want to help you be on track with it. That's accountability. It's nothing to do with, yes, if somebody really screws something up and it's, and there's money on the line or, you know, business, yes, there has to be consequences, but that's not fundamentally what it's about. And accountability done well happens much earlier. It happens with care. It happens in personal engagement. And that's the, that's the first thing is a mental reframe to say, you know what? Accountability is a gift. It's not a tool. It is a gift from the people in my life who care about me, whether that's my, my spouse, friend, manager, colleague, pal, doesn't matter. That's, that's what I'm looking for from the people in my life. So that's the first big mental shift. So I want to unpack that a little bit because you talk about accountability with kindness. And when I think about the experience that I have had over the last year with Jay directly, because he's usually the one who is holding me accountable, it's always a very pleasant experience. It always comes from a place of love. I welcome it because I know it's going to make me better. At the same time, I've had the exact opposite, which is the person who just goes, did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? Um, I don't like those people. So, (laughs) And I think this is where the effective communication comes into play. So let's speak to the people out there. Um, We're going to talk specifically to those of you who actually manage other people, but just know that even if you're a stay-at-home parent, this applies to your children in terms of how do you have those types of conversations. So open your mind to that, but we're we're going to talk as though it's for people managing others. Yeah. And I, I think there's a parallel maybe we could start with there, which is, and this is, a, you know, as a parent and, you know, you know, I know you're a parent that we often when we're in a leadership position, right? Parenting is a form of leadership is that we think that we have set a clear expectation and we have not. We, <laughs> My three-year-old <laughs> would agree with you. <laughs> we think We think that we have given real-time feedback and we have not. And we think we have established a clear consequence for a certain action or inaction, and we have not. And so this is a life skill that is, I was, I thought I was good at it. That's how bad I was, right? I thought I was good at it. And so the, the, when you think about that skill, right, the skill, when you, when it comes to managing people, 
it, it, just as you did, like what I ask people to say, like, just think about the experience that you've had being the employee. Even if you're the COO, right, and you have a CEO who you work for, you're that you're the employee relative to that CEO. And we all know that experience of working for someone who says, you know, did you do it? Did you where is that thing? And it's the person who says one thing and does another. That experience is so deeply ingrained for most for most of us. And if you look at the culture, the way we think about the examples that we've had, that's so prevalent in our world that it's it, it's a real meaningful step to you need a new experience. And, and so you've got this new experience with Jay that's like, oh, accountability, not only does it not have to be that way, it's so much more effective if it's this other way, if it actually comes with care and play, and it's like, hey, buddy, I've, I've got this awesome thing that I want to show you because I'm in this privileged position of watching you work. That's what you, you know, if you're a manager, if you're a parent, whatever, you get to see the people in your life. You get to see how they show up. It's not just your, it's not just your opportunity. It's your responsibility to say to them, hey, here, I see you. I see how you're showing up. There's this great talk that Simon Sinek has that's been making its way around Facebook. And he says, look, especially with millennials, even though I'm not I'm not down on millennials, I love millennials. They're awesome. I know a lot of 60-year-old millennials these days. <laughs> but, but this is what millennials are crying out for. They want a pleasant experience of accountability. They want to grow. They want to learn about themselves. They just want it to come from a manager, from a leader who gets it, who understands and says, hey, you know what? I might have, I might not have been clear about about that. Or, you know what? I think you came by my office and you asked me a question. I didn't really give you a full answer, right? So there's a ownership um, from the perspective of a leader or manager, whatever level in the organization, that's a critical part of the process. And that's that, uh, that communication that we miss is so simple. A lot of times what my clients say to me is they say, you know, Jonathan, this stuff, it's so simple, but it's so hard to do in the fast paced day. And so a lot of the work we do is helping people slow down and giving them, you know, the scripts and the things to say to say, okay, when they say this, you say that, and then shut up, and then listen for thirty seconds, and then watch what happens. You walked me through, uh, I, th- I think it was like a four-part framework before on how you have these conversations. Can we go through that? Yeah, you bet. So the tool in in Good Authority, we broke out a tool called the Accountability Dial, and it was something that came out of client in client meetings where we and we've all had this experience where we watch something happen. We watch behavior. Let's say it's with an employee who's struggling with time management, right? We watch them struggle with it. We watch them show up to late to work, late to meetings, disengaged, missing deadlines, whatever. They're struggling with time management. And what do we mostly do? We watch. We don't intervene, right? And then what happens after we watch and don't intervene for a while, we lash out. We get frustrated, we, we go passive aggressive with them, we manage around them, we talk over them in meetings, we gossip about them to colleagues, whatever. There's a million different ways that we can act out. But the but the bottom line, the thing we didn't do is we didn't intervene. We didn't go in, maybe not the first time, but the second time somebody's late for a meeting and say, hey, you know, I was going to say something the other day, but uh, I noticed this is actually the second meeting that you've been late for. I'm, I'm just curious, is there something that's going on? What's going on for you, right? To be able to let them know that you see that that's important, that's part of your culture. Again, whether it's a business or a family, like we keep our agreements here. This is part of, this is one of our values and I'm not mad and it's not the end of the world, but before it becomes a problem, I want to put it on your radar. That's the first step in the accountability dial which is what we call the mention. 
Let's pause there because I know for myself, um, in moments of conflict, frustration, I feel things very deeply um, on our personality assessment. We refer that as intensity. I have an extraordinarily high level of an intensity. And when other people are not living up to what I perceive the standard to be that I have set, whether or not I've actually done an effective job communicating that separate discussion, um, it's hard for me to check the emotion at the door. It's vi- you, you know that something is up with me. Like you can hear it in the tone of my voice right now. How do I check that? So there's two things. So the first is having that self-awareness is really, that's sort of the, that's the first step back of being, okay, I know that about myself. So there's, so one that makes it that much more incumbent upon you to intervene early. And then the second thing is to be transparent, what you know about yourself, what your employees will love to hear you say is, Hey, you know what? I'm working on doing accountability earlier and I know myself enough to know that I can be really intense and I have and I have certain standards and I know that my standards are and you have your standards for things that you really care about but let's say we use time management let's say that's one of your things you say you know time management it's just one of those things that I know I can get really hot really quickly about so so that I don't do that with you I'm bringing it up now People will go, oh, thank you, because I was, I could feel that you were starting to get front. Now I get it. I understand that this is an important topic for you, and, and as it should be, right? But the the critical thing to do in there is to remember, if you're in a leadership position, as you are, as many of your listeners are, part of the reason why you're in that leadership position is because you have those standards. Bingo. Right? But that doesn't mean that the people who work for you have them yet. It's your job. It's your responsibility to model that this is why I got to the place that I got to because I have these standards. I wasn't always this way, maybe, when it came to risk-taking. I used to be too conservative, and now I've worked on this. And so now I get to be in this position. And by being transparent with your team about the level of standards, you can stop feeling bad about them. You can feel good about them because that's why you're in a leadership position. They know that. And then when you're transparent with them about that, they go, yeah, that's right. And that's why Jeff is sitting where Jeff is sitting. And I want to knock him off that seat one day. And I know in his heart of hearts, he wants to be knocked off that seat so he can go even higher in the organization in terms of his roles of strategy and responsibility. So all everybody gets lifted up in that conversation uh, when, it, when it happens the right way. So what I'm hearing you say, at least for this first part of the accountability dial, is to simply let people know that you are observing them. Hey, I noticed that you were late for the meeting. Is everything okay? What's going on? Yes. You know, not highly emotionally intense in those moments, just simply stating, I noticed not... Now, is there importance around the language like saying you were late? Here, yeah, I mean, I think you can you can get better and you can really refine this. Um, the one the thing that I try to do because of what we were talking about before, because like you know, I I didn't know this about myself, but people would say to me, they're like, Jonathan, we we knew when you were walking down the hall because you have an intensity. <laughs> to, you know, like we there was a certain pair of boots that I we had hard hardwood floors in this office, and like we knew when you were in a hurry or you were fr- like. Then you know this, right? As employees, you you watch leaders. You understand. You we watch the way they stir their coffee. Are they having a good day? Like we're deeply conditioned to watch <laughs> our authority figures and know like what's going to set them off. Where are they today? Like we don't even think we're doing it. It's so second nature to us. And so one of the the things that you can do is to to de-escalate the possibility of triggering somebody 
you know, you can't make the world safe. The world isn't safe, but you can make it a little bit safer by saying, hey, you know, you just a little ca- be casual, be informal. Hey, there's something I wanted to bring up. It's not the end of the world, but right? Like you, you, you name your observation, not you were late, but it, like we, we example I gave before of being able to say to somebody, Hey, you know, um, one, you know, I, I don't I wanted to bring something to your attention. You know, I know it's always hard to hear something from your boss, but I'm a little bit concerned whenever I see somebody who shows up late for something, I always wonder, well, is there something else going on? Um, you know, this is not to say you can never be late for something, but you know, it's happened a couple of times. Um, is there something going on? So you, you're you inviting them, and that goes into step two. You're inviting them rather than you screwed up and you need to fix it or there's going to be trouble. That's the energy. That's old school accountability. New school accountability is, hey, here's a thing that I observed. And I, if I were you, I would be interested in doing some digging and figuring out what's going on. Okay. And then you leave it to them. And then we've just covered step two. We can talk more about it, but that's step two. Okay, so step one is simply to, to let them know that you are watching, that you noticed, and step two is what specifically? And so step two is connecting isolated instances and calling it a pattern. Hey, so this is something I've observed over the last couple of weeks, and I maybe mentioned it on the side a little bit, but so you're so now you're saying my concern's a little bit higher than it was. It's not, I'm not firing you. You're not on probation. We're not, I'm not sticking you in the corner with a dunce hat on. It's not any of that energy. It's not that tone. It's not that intensity. It's saying, hey, here's the the subtext. The emotional subtext is that thing that I mentioned to you, it seems like you forgot about it or aren't taking it seriously, but I just want you to know that I am. Yeah. That's the subtext of that conversation. This actually just happened recently with someone on my team where there was an isolated incident where I noticed something about them and I brought them to their attention and just said, how can I support you in this? And they said, no, we talked X, Y, Z, we moved on. But it's happened several times since then. And recently I said, I'm beginning to notice a pattern in moments where X happens, you do Y. And as a result, your productivity plummets. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yes. So that's a great example of step two, what we call the invitation. So that's saying, hey, here's the this invitation. thing. The, invi- the invitation. So we did the mention is the observation itself. The invitation is connecting a few observations and saying, hey, this looks like a pattern. I, I'm, I'm here to support. I love what you said. You know, how can I support you in this? But it's but it's with this the spirit of what I train managers. It's not the spirit of me fixing that for you. It's in the spirit of you going, hmm. My boss is noticing a pattern. Why am I not noticing a pattern? I should be noticing a pattern because I'm a self-responsible adult and I strive to be an even better one. Uh, and I, I, I chose to work here and they hired me because that's the quality they want from me in this awesome organization that I want to be a part of and help support do amazing things in the world. And so that's what, that what you did was a great example of the second step is saying to somebody, hey, couple instances, not the end of the world. It's not, nobody's dead. No one's dying, but... This is important, and something's got to start changing. And before we go into and before we go into the third step, I want to connect a dot for for people in your personal relationships. You know, for for my wife Amy and I, we are always trying to figure out how do we effectively communicate with each other better. You know, you always hear marriage is about can you continue to grow together as you experience different things in life, and naturally you start to pull apart. Can you find ways to continue to grow together? And I remember pointing out to her one day when she reinforced something really nicely for me that really motivated me, and I let her know, hey, when you just said that to me, I just want you to know that really motivated me. Thank you. And then 
Recently, she did it a few more times and I let her know that I have noticed a pattern that she has been doing it this way and I wanted to let her know how much more motivated I've been to do the things that she wanted me to do that normally I wouldn't want to do. Yeah. So it's not like I said, what would Jonathan Raymond do here? <laughs> what are his four steps to the accountability dial and that I did it? But I'm, I'm noticing the patterns of where it's shown up in my life. And then you raise a really important thing, which is it's very easy to talk. It's, it's helpful to talk about accountability in terms of when things aren't going wrong, aren't going well, but it equally applies when things are going well. And that's one of the things that manager, you can practice, the accountability is not what to do when somebody's screwing up. Accountability is how you live your life. And if it's, if it happens to be somebody struggling with something, okay, well then you use accountability to help them with that. But if the, but if it's, if they're engaging in a behavior that, that you want to reward, that you want to notice that you want to go, wow, this is an awesome thing. I know you've been working on this and Hey, me over here, I get it. I see you changing. Congratulations. That's accountability, right? It's a structure. It's not negative, shame, fear-based. It's a structure for growth. Sometimes it's based in problematic behavior. Sometimes it's based in awesome, life-changing, you just broke a bad habit, way to go you behavior. It's still accountability. Love it, love it. Okay, so we've got the mention where you simply let them know what you're observing. You have the invitation where you invite them to connect those isolated incidents as a pattern. What? Let's say, all right, it it still is not happening, or you want to continue reinforcing. But let's let's go let's go the the the, the first side. Yeah. So the next step in the accountability dial, the third step, is what we call the conversation, and the conversation dun, dun, dun. has dun, 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 dun. and there was a book. There's a chapter in the book called the perfect conversation. So if that's not a teaser, I don't know what is. But the <laughs> the the the, the, per, the conversation is when you take that pattern and the way that I coach clients and you know people in personal life do this in a, in a, in an extended. Find a, a quiet space to have a conversation. You're not you're not going to do this on a crowded subway, right? You're going to do this when you're sitting across from somebody. Maybe you have a cup of coffee. Maybe it's over a beer. Maybe it's in the in a conference room. It doesn't necessarily matter, but it's an environment where you feel like we can talk for 20, 25 minutes. The what the conversation is in essence is helping somebody take a pattern that you've observed the invitation you've said hey here's this pattern that's holding you back or that you're you know we're using the whole it's this is a pattern that i think we can both agree is holding you back let's talk let's zoom out a little bit what what's what is that about and how is that pattern let's get really specific how is that pattern holding you back because when we say oh well you know, you're struggling with time management. Oh yeah, that's right. I got to get better at my time management. And we're all used to the empty, oh yeah, yeah, I promise it won't happen again. The conversation is to take it to another level. Okay, what happens in your life and more importantly with the people in your life that you care about, that you want to respect you, that you want to see you, that you want to value, when you struggle with this thing, what's their experience? And that's what the conversation is about, is asking questions like, so we're using time management. So when you struggle with time management, how does that make life harder for your teammates? Mm. When you struggle with time management, how does it make life harder for me as your manager? When you struggle with time management, how does it make it harder for our customers? What, how does it make life more frustrating for them? And, you know, and most importantly, when you struggle with time management, that's just we're just filling in that blank, right? You can fill in that blank with anything. Yeah. When you struggle with time management, how does it hold you back from being the kind of person that you want to be? 
These are very powerful questions. You can transform an organization with those four questions. If managers would ask them in a, not in a, again, not in a shaming way, not an intimidating way, but just saying, and you asked as an example before, is to be able to say that, you know, here's a tool that I use in my life. When I'm working through something, I try to figure out, figure out, okay, how is my behavior impacting other people? Because that's often one of the best motivators is seeing, because we all know this, right? We engage in behavior. And then when someone says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you, that was really frustrating. Oh my God, I had no idea that I, would, that I did that. I'm so sorry. I was not aware of the impact that I had on you. Once the impact becomes apparent to us, we're far more likely to change and if we're just in our own, you know, journaling with ourselves on the weekend, trying to, you know, sort ourselves out, so journaling is wonderful, don't get me wrong, but it's better if you journal about relationships and what's happening, you know, what, what, what's happening in the world around you so we don't get lost in navel gazing about it. Well, a lot of things are landing for me right now. And part of this is just at my core, everything transformed in my life when I became the type of person who every single day, every interaction that I had in my bones, I now wonder, how can I bring value to this person? Whether that be me bringing value to Gary and Jay, whether that be me bringing value to all of you through sharing conversations like this, and for the people who work for me. I don't view it as though they are working for me. It's my job to bring value to them. And when you're going through these questions, it's all the types of questions that my mentors who've expanded my mind have asked me. They have put it on me to say, hey, let's, let's, let's dream this out. Let's, how does this impact you? How, does it, how do you imagine that this impacts our customers? How does it affect working for me? All of these things that make it go, okay. And I've, I've seen that be used internally for people to get outside of their little bubble where like, oh, I'm just late, whatever. It's, it's fine. It's five minutes. But they don't consider what is, how does the rest of the team perceive me? Right. And the thing that I've that I've tried to do and what was interesting in people you know, as they read the book and take our courses, because there there are great managers out there, right? Like you've had some, I've had some. There's there are there are but they're few and far between. How do we train this stuff, right? Like it, that should not be, it shouldn't be a crapshoot. It shouldn't be one in a million is a manager or a leader who really knows how to ask these kinds of questions. It's not that hard. It's just a, it's a mindset shift to go, oh, wait a second, right. I have to stop fixing everybody's problems. I have to stop taking on all of their emotions and I have to give it back to them. And that's what the conversation, that's what the accountability dial, that's what a great manager does. A great manager doesn't take on the problems of the world. The great manager says, hey, I noticed that you're struggling with that. What are you gonna do about it? And how can I help you do, how can I help you make a change? That's how a great manager thinks. That's how they operate. They don't think about, they don't, They've, they've grown up and grown out of being a superhero. They're not anywhere and everywhere. Their door is not always open. They will not answer every question. They do not respond to nonsensical small emails of things that they should never have been sent in the first place. They give it back to you and they say, okay, I get it. It's not the end of the world, but do you really want to be asking me that question? Or is that something that you can solve for yourself? That's what the world needs. Now, those are the managers that build great organizations. Well, and, and to underscore what you just said. When I look at everything that I have witnessed from being inside Gary Keller's world over the last year, I think one of the biggest reasons that Keller Williams scaled from a small local real estate company and now the largest real estate empire in the world with over 150 
5,000 people is because at its heart, he only recruits people into his world who are empire builders, who can do at least 100% of the job. And, and he tests for that. You bring me your vision. Don't I'm not going to tell you what your job is. You tell me what your job should be. You tell me how you're going to get it done. You don't bring me problems. You bring me problem with a solution. I will give you guidance, but like all of the thinking for people to be take on leadership positions, they have to prove that they can think. Yes. And is there anything more that we need in our world these days than people who can think? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm going through so much of this right now. Like all the personnel issues that I'm having where I am absorbing those problems as my own, I'm making it my job to solve them instead of flipping it and bringing it back and just saying, hey, X, Y, and Z has happened. How do you think that affects our relationship? How does that affect the way our customers perceive us? Blah, 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 blah. How do you suggest we change it? Yes. And flip it back to them and make it their opportunity to fix it. Otherwise, they don't earn the right to stay in our world. That's right. And that's, that is a really critical, you know, when you talk with culture consultants, I, you know, I'm a culture consultant, advisor, coach, whatever you want to call me. This is like the dirty little secret. And there's some, uh, some people who will be out with it. And, and it, is that more people need to be let go. Right, mm-hmm. more people need to be let go from organizations because they're not pulling their weight. And the, and what's worse, there's two. There's a lot of horrible things happen when you let somebody live on in an organization and they're not pulling their weight. Assuming you've given them a chance to grow, right? And you've done this accountability with them. You can't just let them go because you don't because they're you know you got to give them a chance. But not only do they lose, right? They they lose the they don't they don't get accountability so they don't grow. But your A players lose. Because they got to pull more weight for this person that you're keeping around, and I, I have this conversation so many times. So we and I, have, I can't even tell you how many times. Well, what would we do without this person? What would we do? I said, look what you're doing with this person. And the day after they let them go, they're like, oh my god, I can't believe I waited six years to let this person go. Not only are we happier, they're happier because they just found some other thing that they really wanted to be doing, but they were caretaking us by sticking around all this time. It's it is it's an unbelievable thing. Half the audience is going to love me for saying this and half the audience is going to roll their eyes, but when I, my wife and I watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it's like every week when he keeps that one girl that everybody <laughs> wants to be voted off and just drags the whole morale down. Drags the whole thing oh, down. This is, this, this is it. Yeah, I we, just went there, people. Just went there. Yeah, we, we're, you know, this is the thing is that we're, especially these days, and, you know, people are talking about culture and, you know, compassion and vulnerability. It's wonderful. I love it. But let's, let's understand something. Letting somebody go is a vulnerable act, mm-hmm. right? You might've been wrong. Maybe you didn't say, maybe you weren't perfect as a manager. It doesn't mean you shouldn't let him go, but giving somebody critical feedback is a vulnerable act, right? It's a transparent act. It's an authentic act. Vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency is not being lovey-dovey and singing kumbaya in the office. Holding somebody accountable for growth and watching other employees being like, wow, Jonathan's really being tough with that person. That's vulnerable as a leader. Being everybody's pal, taking on their work, and and being the emotional sponge for the organization, that's not vulnerable. That's killing yourself, right? That's that's emotional suicide as a leader. Don't do that. Well, and... and I remember a mentor asked me at one point in time, he said, every single day, what are you waking up and trading your life for? And it's something that I took very seriously and was a big reason why I chose to look to entrepreneurship and get out of the the medical device sales game. And 
here inside of Keller Williams, I remember in part of our hiring and training, they talk about one of the worst things we can do is get really clear on where somebody is going and with their life, what actually matters to them, and then put them in a role that absolutely ensures they will not achieve their life's goals. And sometimes you don't know that right off the bat, but every single day that person is waking up and trading their life to be inside your world. And if you're not helping them live that to the fullest, what better gift could you give them than allowing them to set themselves free? So I, I want to steer us back on track. Um, so you've got the th- that we've covered three of the four steps so far. First is the mention where we're just letting them know that we see them. Then we have the invitation where we invite them to see the pattern. If it continues, then we get to have the conversation where we try to expand it and put it back on their sh- on their plate where, hey, how is this impacting all these other things so that they could con- connect those dots? At the end of that conversation, are you asking for a change in action or what's happening there? Yeah. So at the end of that conversation and the, our timing where, you know, this conversation we're having feeds really nicely into step four, what we call the boundary. So in, at the end of that conversation, and again, depends on what the behavior is. This might be something that you might be, you might have, t- it might have taken you six weeks to get to the conversation with somebody, or it might have taken six minutes. Depends on what, what's going on, how quickly you accelerate through the accountability dial. And that's a lot of the, the skill is knowing like how fast, how intense, how urgent is the situation that you need to change. And maybe we'll put a link to the meeting guide in the, in the show notes that gives some, some guidance there. But at the end of that meeting, you, you should come away from the conversation with a clear, statement of what is the next step that they're going to take to work on this pattern. Maybe it's they're going to write down, you know, they're going to answer those four questions that we just asked, and they're going to write three three answers for each of those four questions, and you're going to talk about it in the next meeting, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's a piece of written work, or maybe it's like what you said, like, you know, how can your role be in service of your personal life goals. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not apparent right now. I'd love for you to take a half an hour, do it when, do it when you have time. Everybody can find a half an hour. There's no excuse for not finding, for not be able to find a half an hour. And I want you to struggle with it if you have to. I want you to, and let, because if you can't find a way that this role is going to serve those life goals, then one of two things has to happen. We either have to find you a different role or we have to shake hands and say, hey, this isn't the right place. Great. Both of those are awesome options. Right. So from the conversation, you're going to the boundary and the boundary is saying, putting a time limit. Right. So again, it could be, let's say it's something that you think behavior needs to change in 30 days. So say, okay, well, we've talked about it. I've, I've mentioned it. I've, we've talked about the pattern. We've had a conversation about the impacts. I think that this is something that you should be able to meaningfully change in the next 30 days. What do you think? Mm. Um, well, um, yeah, I think that's a stretch, but I think that's fair. That's going to push me a little bit. Okay, great. Can we agree on that? No, they might say, you know what? I really need two months because these and these are happening. I'm going to be out of the office for a week. And can, can, can we put a two month uh, structure on this? Great. Maybe there's a little negotiation there. Maybe it's one week. This pattern has to change by the end of the week. And we're going to meet on Friday and find out if it has, right? That's the boundary is giving people a clear framework. We've talked about what needs to change. We've talked about what change looks like. We've talked about why change matters to you personally. Now here's the timeline. Go. That's the boundary. And again, this is big hearted stuff. This is compassionate. This is not, I'm expecting you to screw up. This is, I'm expecting you to succeed. I'm expecting you to go, wow, what an incredible opportunity I've gotten from from my work to do something that's going to be life-changing 
I'm, I'm going to go enlist my friends. I'm going to go talk to my girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife. I'm going to whatever. I'm going to go enlist all the people in my life who care about me to help me make this change. That's the spirit of the boundary conversation. The same reason we do six week boot camps to lose weight or I'm going to quit smoking for 90 like because it because that puts pressure on us. We need pressure. We don't change if there's no pressure. We need some friction. So that boundary, that fourth step in the accountability dial, that's your friction is saying, okay, contrast. Here's where I want you to get to. You've said, I want to get to that place. Go. Now, the time expires. What happens? So the time expires. And, I, and ideally, you're not waiting. So let's say it's 90 days. You've agreed on a 90-day plan. You're not going to wait 90 days to have to go to the next step. You're going to be observing, right? You're going to be, you've trained yourself now to be what? It's like, you know what? It's 30 days in and I don't see any, or it's 30 minutes in. And I don't see, I don't think, I think that conversation went in one ear and out the other. There's no time that's too early to go back to that person and be like, you know, I know we had this conversation and I know we agreed on 90 days, but I got to say, I'm a little worried. I just see, I see you kind of walking around the office and you seem kind of casual and I, I mean, maybe it's me, but if I just had that conversation, I would be like, I would be heads, I'd be heads down. So I tell me I'm wrong, but I'm a little worried, right? So the, so now you're going into the limit. You're, you're now you're at the lit. It's called the limit step five for, for a reason, which is saying, Hey, and again, you may, it may be happen at the end of that 90 days. You're, you're in real time with people. This is the modern manager is in real time with everybody on their team. And so the, the limit is, is coming back to them. Let's say it's you, let's say you've made it a month and you're approaching the end of that month and they've made some changes, but not really gotten traction. And you want A players on your team, not A minus or B plus. You want A players on your team, which is not to say that people, people have different skill levels, but you want them to show up as A players in, the, in these hard to define responsibility, integrity, all the values things that are the most important part of your culture. So then you come to the end of that and, you, and then you're going to have a conversation with them and you're going to say, look, I feel like I've tried everything. You know, we've had, the, we've had a bunch of conversations. We've been talking about in this on our one-on-one. We've, we've set a time frame to really make this change. And it's not that you haven't tried. I've, I've seen you try. I've seen some good effort, but it's not enough. I, and, and what I know is that when something like that happens, it means there's something else going on. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem like it's the right fit. Maybe it's something that we did as a leadership team. Maybe you want to be in another industry. Maybe you know you have you want to go start your own business. Maybe something happened between you and a colleague that's unresolvable, and you just need a a change of scenery. Like whatever it is, when when somebody has the opportunity to change and doesn't, there's something else going on that's keeping it from happening. I'm out of options. I don't, I've given you, I've given you everything I've got as a manager. I don't know what else to do. So, so this is our, this is our last conversation about this. And I want you to go home. And if, let's say it's a Thursday, I'd love you to, I want you to take the day off tomorrow, take the weekend. And I really want you to do some soul searching and ask yourself, do you, do you really want to be here? Maybe you really do. And maybe there's something that we, maybe there's some, some place that we have not discovered together in our conversations. There's something that needs to be said. I, but I don't, but I can't work. I, I've worked as hard as I'm going to work. And I'm at my limit. Is it, is it fair also alternatively just to say, hey, we agreed on this time. You didn't agree. You, you didn't meet it. And so we're going to be parting ways. 
totally. It's totally, it's, it's a judgment call in those moments of, you know, it's, it's that, that sort of not a sliding scale, but it's a, you, you're, you're evaluating as that time goes by. I've had situations where I thought I needed somebody to get to someplace in 30 days, but the way that they went about, even though they hadn't fully made that change, the way they went about it was so in integrity and so awesome that I was like, okay, they technically they were supposed to get to here, but they are so committed. Right. They're showing the, the promise. They're showing the promise. Okay. I'm in, I'm in with this project with them. So you're just going to evaluate that in case by case. And here's the, here's the most important thing that I want people to take away from the accountability dial. It's not about the person you're doing the accountability dial with. Bingo. It's, it's everybody else is watching how you're doing that with them. They are watching how much you care in tactical, feelable, palpable ways. And they're going, holy cow, our boss is awesome. Look at what they're doing. We Everybody's watching this person underperform or struggle with taking risks or whatever the heck it is that they're struggling with. And then they're watching you mentor them. And they're going, wow, I am in with this manager because he or she cares enough to take the time to help this person grow. That's the kind of place that I want to work. And that's the magic of the accountability dial is that it works for that person, but it transforms the culture at the same time. Well, it's true. I... I have had the blessing to be surrounded by some pretty amazing mentors over the last few years. And I have learned just as much from my direct interactions with them as I have from watching them interact with other people. And especially in the moments that were tough, Yep, seeing how they held themselves and showed up in the world with a higher standard is what made them me respect them even more. So that's it. Um, I love that. So Jonathan, where can people, you mentioned uh, some type of worksheet or action guide. Yeah. So if people, if you go to refound.com, so that's like rebound, but with an F like Frank, uh, you'll get an email with a bunch of free tools from us and some videos. And that's where the Good Authority Bootcamp, we've taken the book and built it into a six-week online course that you can uh, talk with us. You can go through it yourself, but if you work in HR or if you have a team of people, small business, large business, we, we custom build programs for people to go through that six-week course. So the the book is available wherever you buy books. Uh, and you can find me at refound.com. You can send me an email at hello at refound.com and we answer every email personally. Yep, and I, and I will underscore the book. I read it personally. You you sent me a copy and I read it right away and just, I loved everything about it. It was, it was very practical and applicable, which I absolutely love. So Jonathan, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate being on. All right, everyone, there you have it, my conversation with Mr. Jonathan Raymond. Uh, I hope you learned something there. For me, when we talk about effective communication and especially in a professional setting, that accountability, it's taken on this dirty word, but we also know it's probably one of the most important things we can ever have. And I think the thing that I heard from this is coming from a place of value, you are coming to serve them, whether that be that initial conversation where you are simply mentioning what you're witnessing, whether you are inviting them to connect the dots and notice the pattern where you're having the conversation with them about how what they are doing is actually impacting all the people around them, whether you're setting the boundary and applying a time to it, or whether it's the limit and you are, that's it. That's that's the end of the line. The thing that you heard from Jonathan was 
love and care throughout his voice. And so in the spirit of the one thing and taking action on this, whether it be in your prefer- in your professional life or in your personal life, I would encourage you to identify a very specific relationship that needs enhancing and how can you apply this framework to it. So with that, thanks so much to listening or watching this episode. Really appreciate you. And we will talk to you next week. 